mat washers, and Tommy Club Unlimited memberships started just $19.99 a month. Tommy's Express Car Wash, soon to have two locations in Jonesboro, we're open seven days a week at Highland and Caraway, and coming this fall, visit Tommy's Express at our new location on Hilltop. Farmers, harvest is here, and Pico Foods wants your corn and Milo. If you haven't called Pico Foods, do so today to take advantage of their always competitive prices. Pico Foods, the eighth largest poultry producer in the U.S. and a fourth-generation family-owned business, is committed to doing business with local producers, and right now they want to buy your corn and Milo. Call today. In Arkansas, Missouri, David Durham or James Chester, 870-202-7101. In Alabama and Mississippi, contact Craig Bird or John Taylor Hickman at 601-670-9383. You're listening to KNEA Jonesboro and KBRI Clarendon, The Ticket. It's time for The Setup, the fastest hour in sports talk here on The Ticket. Here are your hosts, Cade Carlton and Andrew Bowen. All right, welcome in here on a Monday, September 20th, 2021 edition of The Setup. Cade Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on The Ticket, 95.3, 96.9 FM, The Ticket, 970 AM, KNEA. Streaming online, 953theticket.com, and on the TuneIn app by searching for KDA. You can also find us on social media, Twitter at 953theticket, Facebook.com slash 953theticket if you want to keep up with us there. Uh, a lot to get into on the uh, show today. Obviously, we'll kind of take a dive into the A-State-Washington game and uh, just kind of recap that. Uh we did our six things one of the see out of this game on Friday, so we'll go over that. Um, look at college football as a whole, touch on some NFL, even get in maybe to a little bit of baseball. A lot to unpack on a Monday show, and we'll start kind of unpacking everything after Andrew gives us the headlines. Brought to you by Plaza Tire Service, bringing you the best deals on tires. A-State football had a tough loss on Saturday to Washington. Final score is 52-3, putting the Red Wolves at 1-2 so far this season. They travel to Tulsa this Saturday to take on the Golden Hurricanes. The kickoff is at 4 p.m. Yeah, it was a rough game. We're going to get into it, but that was that was rough. Anyways, uh, Razorbacks moved to 3-0 as they beat Georgia Southern 45-10. The win put Arkansas up to number 16 on this week's AP poll, and they were previously number 20. Their next game is against number seven, Texas A&M in Fayetteville, and kickoff is at 2.30 p.m. on Saturday. Actually, in Jerry World in Dallas. Oh, they've been okay. A&M don't play on campus for whatever. Oh, well, I know the reason. It's money. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeez. Well, there you go. 2.30 p.m. on Saturday. That's going to be a good game. Texas A&M looks pretty solid. But moving on to the Cardinals. They have won eight in a row after an 8-7 to seven win over the San Diego Padres to complete the sweep over the weekend. St. Louis will start a series at Milwaukee tonight at 6.40 p.m. on 95.9, The Wolf. And how about that? What a bounce back from the Cardinals. Eight in a row. I couldn't have called that any day yeah. of the week. They own the driver's seat to be the second wild card team. So how love, about that? Love that for them. And this has been your Daily Headlines brought to you by Plaza Tire Service. All right. Uh, thanks, Andrew. Uh, a, a lot to get into from the college football weekend and uh, – want to kind of go over the the national scene in college football because there's so much to unpack uh 
Yeah, it was a wild weekend. It was, and I think it's going to continue to be just a crazy, bizarre, wild season in college football. But uh, we'll start first and kind of go over A-State Washington here in these first couple of segments on the show today. Uh, 52-3, to the final score Saturday in Seattle. Not a lot of positives to take away from that game at all. Uh, I guess one positive was... Shout out to whoever uploaded the full game on YouTube. I think I made it. I think I made it to the half or close to the half, first half. And I just, I, just, I turned it off after the first quarter. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Uh, but yeah, so wasn't great. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know a lot of people that expected A State to go on the road and win the game, but at least expected to be competitive and make this a pretty good football game. And it just didn't it happen. wasn't at all. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about on the show, the worry kind of coming into this one was that Washington really did have talent offensively, returned a lot from a team that, you know, averaged right around 40 points in four games last year. And you knew at some point this season that they were going to kind of hit their stride. You just didn't want it to be against A State, but unfortunately it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, last week against Memphis, it was the kind of the big plays that killed A-State and allowed Memphis to rack up points. I mean, Memphis scored on, what, five, six plays over 50, 40, 50 yards last week. This week, you know, this past weekend, it was extended drives. Uh, you know, and all of the three and outs and four and five play series that A-State have or had, uh, Washington went. 10 plays, 7 plays, 10 plays, 7 play touchdowns. And their longest scoring play in that stretch was 33 yards in the opening half of play. So they weren't busting big plays. They were just moving the ball methodically down the field. Right. And A-State couldn't stop them. And then, you know, I think A-State, their kind of death or whatever came by, A, extended drives, B, fatigue, and C, the fact that the defense was on the field a lot because on the fit, on the flip side the offense gave you really nothing in the first half of play. Uh, six of A State's seven possessions ended with a punt in six or less plays in the first half. Their lone other possession was a seven play drive that ended in a missed field goal. So when you're going three, four, five plays pretty much every time you have the ball offensively and you're giving the ball back in a minute, minute and a half. Yeah, However long it is, that's a good. lot on your defense. Yeah. It's a lot on your defense. That's a full game the defense is playing, basically. I mean, they're on the field 90% of the time. Yeah. So, that uh, really got nothing from the offense in the first half of play. Uh, and we talked about how, like, listen, like coming into this game, the offense had not put together four good quarters of football. They put together a pretty good second half against UCA and a pretty good second half against Memphis, but had not strung it together for four quarters. And you felt like to win this game, you at least had to string it together for three, three and a half quarters. And they, I don't even know if they strung it together for a drive, much less a quarter uh, in this game because A-State had more punting yards, 93, than net yards gained, 72, in the first quarter of play. They had 123 yards of offense at the half and had 197 punting yards at the half. Jeez. And it's just a terrible start. And when you 
put yourselves in a 28-0 spot on the road and you can't move the ball offensively, I don't think it matters what you do in the second half. Like you're you're not winning that game. Yeah. It's just damage control at that point. Yeah. Um you know, and really you kind of look at it, I mean there I guess there were a couple of bright spots on the night, but really just not a whole lot of bright spots in this game. Uh, A-State's lone scoring possession came off a turnover at uh, the 28, and even after kind of a big passing play that got them in the red zone at the nine-yard line, they still had to settle for a field goal, and their uh, lone drive of the night over seven plays, which went 14 plays, which is great. A great drive, moved the ball down the field in 14 plays, except it ended in a fumble. Yeah. So, really, Uh. I mean – Every every metric you look at offensively just was was not there for for A State on Saturday at Washington. Yeah, it it was it was painful to watch. I'll say that. Um, they, I mean, I hate to say it, but A State looked like a completely different team than that Memphis game. Just completely yeah. different. They yeah. looked like they hadn't improved or practiced since that game. Yeah, that's how I felt. Uh, you know, you look at it from a Washington Washington side defensively. Uh, the Huskies had not been particularly good on defense all year. Uh, I mean, they held Montana to 14 in the first game of the year. They gave up 31 to Michigan, but the alarming stat was that they had yet to force a turnover, and really had just a handful of tackles for loss through two games. As a matter of fact, I think their tackle for loss number was five through two games, and A State had six in the Memphis game alone going in. And so you felt like that you couldn't allow them to force a turnover because they hadn't done that all year. You couldn't allow them to get in the back in the backfield because they haven't done that all year through two games. Yet they had six tackles for loss, three sacks, and a fumble recovery. While A State, who had six tackles for loss in each of their first two games, had just one. There was no disruption of I mean the first drive where Washington goes three and out they stayed at a pretty good defensive sequence series. Mm-hmm. But after that, that it there, just was, all fell apart. They, there yeah. was nothing. I mean, Washington goes bang, 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 four touchdowns in a row. It looked like the offense for Washington could do whatever they wanted, basically. Yeah. And again, it it's one of those deals where you 52-3 to three loss, if you dwell on it, then it's going to – bleed into this week and bleed into Tulsa and it's one of those that you just immediately have to put on the back burner because there's really just not anything positive you can take away from that game but you know and it's not to say that oh A-State's going to win four games or three games because I don't think that's the case but you know I think Saturday did show that maybe A-State's a little bit further off than we thought going into the Washington game in terms of where they want to be and, you know, it kind of showed on offense more than anything. It's a character-building game yeah. for sure. Because, I mean, just just because you weren't able to establish yourselves offensively and really kind of get in any momentum and, you know, have good drives, good extended drives. I mean, again, your one good extended drive ended in a fumble, even though it was 14 plays. So, and you there's know, a lot of season left. There is. There is. And so um, one of the things that, hope maybe would be answered in this game is hey can we have will we find a quarterback this week that is going to play good enough to be out there for all four quarters and at the end of the game you're like all right that's the guy and I don't really know that we've come any closer to that because 
you know, Hatcher has a half where he played great. Blackman has a half where he played great. They have a couple of halves where they both played okay, but not great. And then both of them really didn't play well in this Washington game at all. Uh, so that really wanted to see the, the quarterback question get more of an answer this week, but there's still kind but of a lingering <laughs> question mark around that going into Tulsa. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's not just the quarterback thing offensively. I mean, it's kind of all around. I mean, A-State averaged just over three yards per play, which means essentially – they were averaging a three and out or close to it every trip out. So, you know, just just not a whole lot of good offensively out of that game on Saturday and really defensively either. But, you know, especially offensively, you just never really establish yourselves. Your only points come off a of field goal uh, there in the third quarter of play and just really just not a whole lot of good things offensively for A-State. The good news, though, is that A-State doesn't play another Washington and they have a winnable game on the road this weekend. So the other good news is that uh, Lincoln Perry looked pretty good in the passing game. He had seven receptions for 69 yards and a few rushes. So, I mean, Perry looked pretty good offensively. But, yeah. I mean, they still had 48 rushing yards. I mean, that's not not good. And that was one of the things we wanted to see. It was more rushing yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And – while you like to see Lincoln Perry leading in, you know, leading the way in receiving yards to an extent, you don't because, you know, that meant Corey Runker, Tavalence Hunt, and Jeff Foreman really never did anything in the receiving game. And, you know, right. going into the Washington game, we kind of talked about how we felt like, hey, we have a pretty good trio of receivers. And that's still, that's still the case. One game doesn't necessarily completely nix that idea. But I would have liked to have seen one of them be the leader over – Lincoln Parr, even though he did play well, and even though it's a good sign that you know you have a guy that not only can run the ball but can be a uh, receiving back as well, and then it's one of those games that you feel really good after the Memphis game, and then it just all of a sudden just kind of comes to a halt. I feel yeah. like this team had momentum. They won their first game. They lost by a close margin to a good Memphis team that just beat an SEC team, and you think, oh. They're they're fired up. They got momentum. They may lose to a good Washington team, but it won't be in this fashion, like a blowout. And after that game, it's just kind of like, wow. Yeah. You're reevaluating everything. Yeah, and we knew kind of going into the game that, you know, the run game had been inconsistent. Wasn't great in the first half against UCA, and then obviously right. A State opened it up in the second half, and then wasn't particularly great in the Memphis game. Twenty three rushes for forty eight net yards for A-State, an average of 2.1 yards per rush. Uh, their leading rusher was Johnny Lang Jr., who had 18 rushing yards. I think I mean, the, it's, 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 it's definitely a problem. Yeah, I think the most shocking was that they passed for, I believe it was 500, 600 yards in that uh, Memphis game. And then, I, I don't even know what the passing yards were. 220. 220. That's yeah. just a huge drop-off. 22 of 49 for 220 yards. Meanwhile, uh, you know, even though, you know, Dylan Morris had a couple of turnovers in the game, he still went 23 of 39 for 367 yards and three touchdowns. So a guy that really had not played well at all for Washington all year long. Uh, he turned it on for and, sure. Yeah, I mean, he he turned it on. So, I mean, they're, you know, just not a not a ton of bright spots out of that game. But, I mean, the good news is, you flip the schedule now, or flip the page now to Tulsa, and then you go into Sun Belt Conference play. 
there are no more Washingtons on the schedule. I mean, there are the only thing from here on out or are like opponents, like group of five opponents. Right. So you feel like if you know if you play like you did in the Memphis game, then certainly you're going to have a lot of chances in a lot of games throughout the course of the year. But uh, just uh, not a great day for a state on have, Saturday. Have to in this next game because this next game is going to be really tough. This yeah. is a really good Tulsa team. Uh, which, by the way, A-State uh, has opened up as a 14-point dog at Tulsa. And uh, money a little bit of money is already coming in on A-State because last I checked, it was down to 13 and a half. So uh, a little bit of money is coming in on A-State since that line opened up uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, we had six things. What did the C against Washington on Saturday? We'll come back. We'll talk about that and uh, really kind of – put a bow at least on our conversation today about uh, the A-State Washington game after this on the ticket. We're not ready to go to the closer just yet. Stick around. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Be part of a company that helps get food to grocery stores, medicine to pharmacies, and online orders to customers around the world. Hytrill has been an industry leader for over half a century, and they're ready for you to join their team. Design and build new conveyor systems and technology at a company that people want to work with and want to work for. One that puts its employees, partners, and customers Customers first. Join the Hytrill family. Apply today at careers.hytrill.com. Where are we going? I thought you wanted to get some stuff for the party. We're going to the old country store off the Cash River in Sedgwick, just 10 miles from Jonesboro. Yeah, but we need something besides beer and wine, don't we? The old country store has all spirits now. I'm taking you to see all your favorite men. Oh, you mean Jack, Jim, Jose, and Johnny. Yep. You know, Jose's my favorite. Keep your clothes on this time. The proceeding was recorded by poorly paid voice actors. The Old Country Store and Spirits, 16067 Highway 63 East in Sedgwick, just 10 miles from Dan Avenue. The Old Country Store. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Stoltz. And Brad Bobo. So everybody seems to have a podcast these days, and, well, we've decided to join the party. We'll release a new episode every Tuesday. Of course, we'll talk about what's going on with the Red Wolves, but we'll also be able to talk about some things we might not always get to. That's right. We'll have interviews, behind-the-scenes info, tell plenty of stories, and have a whole lot of fun as we talk about everything A-State. It's the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. New episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast. Boots and Ballers is set for September 30th at First National Bank Arena, and you could win two tickets to the event, an autographed basketball, and four A-State men's basketball season tickets. Enter to win once per day through midnight September the 26th at 953theticket.com or our Facebook page. Enter the Boots and Ballers giveaway for two free tickets, an autographed basketball, and four A-State men's basketball season tickets. Brought to you by The Ticket and A-State men's basketball. Tickets are $60 with premium tables available. Get yours by calling the Red Wolves Foundation, 870 870- 972-2401. We all make promises, big and small, tested over time and distance, tried by circumstances and decisions. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to bear true faith and allegiance. To help you when you're in need. To tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. To be considerate and caring, courageous and strong. For better. For worse. In sickness and in health. To love and cherish. To be your loving, faithful friend. Partner. Child. Parent. Neighbor. 
One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. We're always rooting for overtime round here. Now let's get back to the setup. All right, welcome back here on the setup. Kate Carlson, Andrew Bowen with you here on a Monday afternoon. 95.3, the ticket. 9.70 a.m. King of the Gay. We'll, we'll kind of get into some of the national college football talk of everything that went on this weekend, but uh, continue kind of looking at uh, this A-State-Washington game from Saturday. Uh, we went over six things, kind of wanted to see out of A-State on Saturday afternoon in Seattle, uh, and we'll we'll just kind of start for start with number one and work our way down the list. Uh, one of the things we said was that the offense did not need to wait until the second half to get going because going into that game, 60 of A-State's 90 points had come in the second half. Uh, and had really not established themselves early and come out firing offensively and felt like you needed to do that to win the game. Well, that didn't really happen. Uh, I mean, it really never happened throughout the night. I mean, A-State finished uh, the game with 268 yards, um, did not score in the first half of play against Washington. Their their first half drive chart is really just kind of sad uh yeah it's it's hard looking at the stats it's a punt miss field goal punt punt um i guess that's it punt miss field goal punt punt um and then two more punts before the half so all in all a state had five straight possessions after their miss field goal where they punted they their first offensive drive they punted and then uh, their second offensive drive, they missed a field goal, and they were down 28 nothing at the half. So uh, the answer to that one is no. Uh, one of the other things we said was that really no big plays. Washington hadn't done much on offense this year, but you know felt knew they had a ton of talent coming back from a year ago and just really did not want to see them bust a big play or two and then kind of find themselves, reestablish themselves on offense because, I mean, Memphis busted uh, five plays of over 50 yards for a touchdown the week before. I mean, I guess that was sort of the case. I mean, there wasn't a ton of big plays. Uh, Washington's last score was a 72-yard fumble return. They had a 33-yard passing touchdown in the second quarter of play, which I guess you consider big plays. But, I mean, most of their scoring was just them marching the ball down the field and running 8, 9, 10 plays and just marching it down the field and then scoring. It wasn't these big 40, 50, 60-yard explosive plays. So, I mean, I guess you really didn't limit their – you really limited their big plays, but you didn't limit their ability to – drive the football down the field uh the other thing was just one quarterback because if there was just one quarterback that played that had to mean that the offense was clicking early with whoever starts and just really didn't even want to see a helmet come off and I mean 
we wound up seeing two quarterbacks in the game and I mean let's be honest neither played just neither played phenomenal I mean uh Blackman was 16 of 38 for 176 yards. Lane Hatcher was 6 of 11 for 44 yards and an interception and a fumble. So, I mean, neither played particularly great. So, the answer to that question is no. Uh, wanted to see good special teams play. Uh, you know, felt like kickoffs have been pretty good so far uh, and not giving up good field position with squibs or on sides. Blake Groupie in the Memphis game was automatic on – PATs and field goals uh I mean I don't know I guess I guess you would answer yes to that uh you're one of two on field goals but didn't really allow an explosive kick return no big punt returns or just truly terrible bad punts an average of 45.3 yards per punt and Brian Hansen was maybe the MVP for uh the A-State offense in that game so I mean outside of the missed field goal I would say you probably answer yes to that question uh, one of the other things was don't let Washington force their first turnover. Well, Washington did that. Uh, they forced a couple, actually, on A-State on Saturday. So the answer to that question was no. Uh, the other one was just to potentially go out there, maybe not even win the game, but play a close game, and the answer was no to that. So, uh, I mean, special teams played good. Yeah. Kickoffs were good. <laughs> punts were good. Outside of the missed field goal, special teams was an A+. plus, But it just so happened that nothing else really clicked on uh, Saturday for A-State against Washington. So, uh, again, A-State turns their attention now to uh, Tulsa, where they are a currently 13.5-point underdog this weekend. In terms of the Sunbelt scoreboard, uh, we kind of went over – Friday on the show, Lafayette rolled over Ohio 49 to 14. Uh Coastal struggled a little bit with Buffalo, uh but they wound up winning 28 to 25 in that game. Matter of fact, Coastal was down 14 to 7 at the end of the first quarter. Uh it was tied up at 14 at the half and thought maybe Coastal might slip up on the road, uh but they hold on and win 28-25. Georgia Southern really had no competition for Arkansas. Uh, they they lost forty five to ten. App State beat Elon forty four to ten. I didn't watch a bit of Georgia State and Charlotte. I can't imagine it was good football. Georgia State won twenty to nine. Um, yeah, it, it, I think I flipped to it for like a second, and it was not great. <laughs> yeah. So in Georgia State has really been has really not been competitive this year. I mean, they got blown out by Army. They got blown out by North Carolina, and yeah. so. I mean, I guess it was good for them to get a win, uh, but they won 20-9 over uh, Charlotte on Saturday. Troy beat Southern Miss 21-9. Texas State, man. Texas State got beat by Incarnate Word 42-34. That was depressing. Just, that yeah, was depressing. it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, they actually got outscored 28-17 to in the second half by Incarnate Word. Uh they were up 17-14 at the half and then, again, out got, got outscored in the second half to lose that game. ULM on nothing but field goals beat Jackson State. They did not score an offensive touchdown all night long. I bet Coach Sanders was super excited about that. <laughs> and somehow beat Jackson State 12-7. to And then South Alabama, in a little bit of a struggle win, uh, beat Alcorn State. So, I mean, overall, outside of the Texas State loss, a pretty good weekend. 
outside of the Texas State loss and then, you know, Georgia Southern and Arkansas State weren't competitive in the bye games, but, I mean, it is what it, it, it is. is, what it is. Yeah. Outside of the Texas State loss, it wasn't a terrible uh, weekend for the Sun Belt. It was not a terrible weekend overall in college football. In fact, it was kind of a crazy weekend overall in college football. We'll come back. We'll talk more about that. So we're about halfway through a Monday edition of the setup here on The Ticket. Kara's icing down. Bobo's in the pen. But Kate and Andrew are dealing. The setup continues right after this on The Ticket. You love your truck, and Plaza Tire Service is here to help you make it even better. We've got wheels, leveling kits, and of course, the area's largest selection of light truck tires. With ATs and mud tires up to 35s and bigger, Plaza Tire Service has you covered. The pros at Plaza Tire Service can help you select a great combination that will work with your truck. Plus, with our Plaza Tire Service card or no credit needed financing, your upgrades can be easy on your budget. So take your truck from stock to spectacular with Plaza Tire Service. Yard Envy. It's a real thing. The guy three houses down has an amazing yard. Why can't my lawn look lush and healthy? Well, he uses J&K Lawn and Tree Service. Whether the job is large or small, commercial or residential, J&K Lawn and Tree Service offers incredible lawn care. Call 870-897-1329 today. Overgrown hedges, troublesome trees, or unwanted stumps, J&K can take care of that too with tree removal, trimming, and fertilizing too. J&K also has a 10% discount for seniors and veterans. Call 870-1329. Make your lawn the best on the block with J&K. Hey y'all, this is Matthew Cox with Cox Implement. Time for football and time to check out our new inventory of zero-turn mowers. Don't keep putting money in that old mower and don't wait till next year. It is no secret the inventory has been a challenge in 2021, but at Cox, we are stocking up on zero-turn mowers and preparing for 2022. Kick off the fall with a new zero-turn mower from Cox Implement. Come see us at any of our three locations in Hoxie, Highland, and Jonesboro or visit us online at coximplement.com. Cox Implement. Equipment you can count on, people you can trust. If you need hearing aids but don't know if your insurance company covers them, call Hearing Specialists in Jonesboro today. They can find out for you. So why wait? Call 932-8200. Right now, Arkansas Obamacare Insurance and some Blue Cross policies are paying for digital wireless Bluetooth state-of-the-art hearing aids from Hearing Specialists in Jonesboro. But this may be for a limited time, so you must act soon. Call Hearing Specialists in Jonesboro now at 932-8200. 932-8200. 932-8200. Football is here, and this promises to be the biggest high school season ever here at the EAB Sports Network. Here's the rundown. Catch Jonesboro Golden Hurricane football on 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket. The Nettleson Raiders are on 94.1 Bob FM, while the Valley View Blazers can be heard on 101.3 News Talk KBTM. And this year, we welcome Brooklyn to the EAB family, with every Bearcats game airing on 101.7 KISS FM. Then once the games go final, you can tune into the ticket for the Kavanaugh Auto Group's Friday Night Lights High School Scoreboard Show to get all the final scores, plus hear from coaches and broadcasters around the area. It's just one more way the EAB Sports Network is bringing local action to area fans. Our high school football coverage is brought to you by First National Bank, NEA Baptist Hospital, Real Estate Nate, Jonesboro Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, and St. Bernard's. From pregame coverage at 6.30 right through the final scores, we've got you covered. Don't miss high school football action each Friday night right here on this EAB Sports network station it's the quickest hour in sports talk that was fast now back to the setup on the ticket all right welcome back here on the setup halfway home on a monday edition of the show 
Cade Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you as kind of dive into some a uh, little bit of national college football talk and what was a crazy weekend. Uh, by the way, uh, UTEP this weekend is going with the throwback Texas Western uniforms for their home game, something that's just circulating on uh, Twitter against uh, New Mexico. So they're sweet. That's awesome. Throwback throwback I'm Texas always, Western uniforms. I'm always a fan of uh, throwback jerseys, Yeah, no matter the school. Even if they're really ugly, just the concept of the throwback is nice. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, anyways. Uh, all right, so it was a very interesting weekend across uh, college football. Um, one of the more interesting games was the uh, CBS 230 game that saw Bama and Florida go up against each other in the Swamp. And a game that, I mean, Bamba was favored by two touchdowns. I, I, I don't know if the line closed at 14 and a half or 15. But uh, Bamba was favored by two touchdowns of the game. You felt like from – great game. You felt like what you've seen out of Bama, and obviously we know now that Miami's not very good because Miami got throttled by Michigan State this uh, past weekend. But you felt like what you saw from Bama out of Miami. You felt like what you saw from Bama out of Mercer – that they were going to go to the Swamp and beat Florida two or three touchdowns, and it really was not going to be a close game. But Florida, even with their question marks at quarterback, gave Bama a game and honestly maybe should have won the game. I mean, they had their chances to win the game there in the the fourth quarter of play. What was going on? All I have to say is what was going on with that play clock? That was yeah. a mess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that's – I don't know. That game was weird. I don't know if it's Florida's good or if Bama's bad. I think it's like a mixture of both. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of agree. Florida scored on uh, every possession they had. Because um, really, I mean, you look at the second half, there were seven total possessions in the second half of play in that game because both of these teams went on long extended drives and held the ball for forever. So, I mean, Florida scored on three of their four possessions, and their last possession was when they had time to run maybe one play. But, uh, you know, I mean, if, if Florida doesn't turn it over on downs in the first half or if they don't throw an interception there when it's 21-3 to Alabama – and they don't wait to start scoring really until the second half. Maybe it's a different game because I mean, Bama jumped out to a twenty-one to three lead. It was twenty-one to nine at the half, and it's like, oh well, they're going to pull away. And then Florida actually goes on to uh, outscore Alabama twenty to ten in the second half of play. So I'm not sure what it, I'm not sure if it says more about Florida or more about Alabama. I tend to think it says more about Alabama. I think Bama's really good offensively, as always, but I don't... I think their defense is struggling. Yeah, I, I don't think they have the defense that they normally do. I, I just, I'll, I'll I just say don't. this. Florida's running back, very good. Their run game looked insane that game. I yeah. mean, I've not seen a Florida run game like that in a while. Well, I mean, Florida put up 440 yards on Bama, uh, and most of that, I mean, a lot of that came in the second half of play uh, when they were able to score their touchdowns. But, I mean... I just – I don't know. And sure, Bama may go undefeated and win the SEC and go to the college football playoff, and that's very much a possibility. But I, think I do think Bama yeah. is more susceptible to a loss, maybe two losses this year more than they have been in years past. So Maybe Nick Saban was right. 
in his press conference where he said his players stink. <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, the other one is I, I don't – the one team in the top ten right now and not picked to make the college football playoff is Clemson. I am convinced they are not very good offensively. I agree. They put up – I, I mean, they put up 14 points against Georgia Tech. I don't think they have an answer at quarterback. And uh, I don't know, man. It, uh, I don't know that they're very good. I just don't. Yeah, I've never been big on Clemson. The years with Trevor Lawrence, I, was, I gave them their respect because they were good. But now they're – I don't know what's going on. They're, they're struggling. They're kind of one of those teams that's always ranked really highly and – you know, going into the season, you kind of realize that they're not all that. Yeah. A bag of chips. Yeah. Uh, Penn State beat Auburn 28-20. to I mean, I think Penn State's legit. I also think Auburn could surprise a lot of people in the SEC. I would not be surprised in the slightest if Auburn finishes uh, second in the West this year because I, I, may have took, I may have taken more away from Auburn in that game, even in the loss, than I did Penn State because – Yeah, that's I mean, fair. Penn State's really good. I mean, Penn State has a chance to go win – win the Big Ten this year and so that was that was an interesting game uh for a lot of reasons um and then BYU's kind of a sneaky good team too I mean BYU they're coming off the win over Utah they beat Arizona State 27 to 17 that was kind of a score that kind of caught me by surprise that yeah. BYU in back-to-back weeks has wins over ranked opponents and I mean they could be that like if Cincinnati goes in two weeks and gets beat to Notre Dame, I mean BYU could sneak up and be that group of five team this year. They could. They look really, really good. What what kind of upset me was after they played really well, all these tweets were saying maybe Zach Wilson was holding BYU back, and I'm like, oh come on now, come yeah. on. <laughs> no, I mean I don't agree with that. Yeah, I but... don't either. But because they were good last year too, but yeah. this year they've kind of taken another step. And you're right, they're looking like that team that could emerge out of the mist at the end of the season. Yeah, it's going to be hard because Cincinnati is. I mean, Cincinnati still they're seven or eight, whatever they are in the new AP poll. So you're going to have to have Cincinnati go lose at Notre Dame and maybe even lose another game in. In, in conference play but BYU could be that team that kind of sneaks up and is the group of five representative uh come January so this this year is crazy there's so many teams already that are last or I'd say two years ago because last year's season was kind of weird I'd say there was not this many teams that had potential to win their conference or do all this or whatever and make the playoff and now there's all these other teams that are really good and the AP poll is completely different this year and I love it I love it it is um honestly I think it may change a little bit too this weekend because I I'm not impressed with what I've seen out of A&M um yeah that's fair A&M it wasn't a struggle over New Mexico I mean they put up yards they won 34 nothing and New Mexico did nothing but New Mexico is also not a very good uh football team so yes A&M should have won 34 nothing but Colorado did not look good this week and Colorado oh, gave everything no they did not they gave A&M everything they wanted and more last Saturday I I would not be surprised if Arkansas goes and beats A&M yeah it wouldn't surprise weekend. me either I, I just I would not be surprised because I haven't been impressed uh with I can't tell if that meant with A&M Minnesota's decent or if it was just Colorado's bad yeah I think it's more Colorado's bad. Yeah. Um, Saturday night was interesting. Uh, 
you know, Ole Miss Tulane had gotten a lot of hype because it was a matchup of the founding members of the SEC, ESPN2 <laughs> night game. And, you hyped it up yourself on Friday. <laughs> yeah, ESPN2 night, ESPN night game in Oxford, whatever. Uh, I really thought this would be a close game. I mean, Tulane pushed uh, Oklahoma to the brink, which, again, I don't think Oklahoma's very good. I, we, we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. But really thought this would be a close game. And it's 61-21 to 21 the final. And all of a sudden, now Bryce Young and Matt Corral are the favorites to win the Heisman at plus 125. And the next closest is, I think, plus 1,200. So right now on September 20th, it looks like it's a two-horse race for the Heisman. And it was it was very – Matt Corral was very impressive on Saturday night. He's been impressive. For, I'm glad he's getting the coverage and respect he deserves. Yeah. I've been I mean, on the Matt Corral train for a while. He's – they accounted for seven of Ole Miss's, what, nine touchdowns on uh, Saturday night. Ole Miss broke a school record for first downs gained in the game. And, I mean, honestly, they fumble on their second possession or third possession after they go, after they go up 13-0. Uh, they miss a field goal to end the half. But other than that, every single possession, Matt Corral, and they punted Matt Corral's last possession. Other than that, every single possession – Corral scored a touchdown on. Wow! So it was. They're it on was, fire. It was Their insane. Is on fire. Yeah, it was. It was. It was insane, and it's even more insane to see uh, the new Heisman odds. I really do think. Uh, and also, by the way, the Spencer Rattler thing is crazy because he was the preseason Heisman favorite, even though he'd never looked like a Heisman candidate in the game so last overrated. year. And to start the season, he has not been good at all for Oklahoma. Yeah, I said it at the beginning of the year, and I got weird looks. I got people tweeting at me saying I'm wrong. And now even my brother came out to me who never admits I'm right and was like, hey, man, you're right about this. I mean, he just doesn't look like the quarterback that everyone saw at the end of last season, which I still don't know what they saw, to be completely yeah. honest. Well, I, I mean, the thing with Corral and Bryce Young, too, who were both the two Heisman favorites, like, they, you can go back to every game they play in and pinpoint what type of impact, what type of effect they had on this game. Right. Whether it's positive or negative. Most of the time it's going to be positive, or at least this year. But you can go back and pinpoint the impact that they have had on the game and what they did to help their team win the game. I like you can't do that with Spencer Rattler. What did Spencer Rattler do to help Oklahoma I mean, win the game on Saturday? I mean, the highlight of the game was that incredible interception. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Yeah. That was the highlight. Their defense was insane. So, yeah, I, I just uh, – I don't get – and there's another thing, too. Like, when you're watching Bama or you're watching Ole Miss, like, it just – it looks smooth. It looks effortless. It – it doesn't look that way with Oklahoma. It's a struggle sometimes yeah, with them offensively. I completely agree. So, I don't know. Uh, I do think we're kind of setting ourselves up for a 2007 type like season because there's not really a great team in college football. Right. I think Georgia would be the one I would favor to maybe be in the playoff right now. But even them, like I could see them getting beat because while they have the best defense in the country, their offense is not great. So, hey, but you never know. Defense wins championships. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I think we're headed for for uh, mass chaos in uh, college football this year. I'm so. all I'm all for it. I love I the too. chaos. I am too. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, we'll we'll look at a state Washington for the final time. We'll kind of dive into some NFL talk uh, and really kind of start turning the page a little bit to 
Tulsa uh, coming up on Saturday. So that's coming up as we get set to close out the show on a Monday after this on the ticket. Our advice? Just take the over. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Most prices still down. Hello, I'm Scotty Woodson on the EAB Ag Network with your EAB Market Countdown. December 25, 21 and 3 quarters down 5.5 with March 25, 29 and 3 quarters down 4.5. November soybeans to 1262.5 down 21.5 with January soybeans to 1271 and 3 quarters down 21 and a quarter. December wheat at 7 and 3 quarters down 8 with March wheat at 711 and a half down 8 and a quarter. October cotton at 89.89 down 343 with December cotton at 89.02 down 331. November rice at 1372.5 down 5.5 with January rice at 1389.5 down 5. Moving on to livestock now, October live cattle at 122.77 and a half, down two and a half, with December live cattle at 128.07 and a half, up 55. September feeder cattle at 155, even up 12 and a half, with October feeder cattle at 156.67 and a half, up 30. October lean hogs at 84.97 and a half, down 75, with December hogs at 74.22 and a half, down 82 and a half. And that's your EAB market countdown, and I'm Scotty Woodson. Have a great day. Red Rose fans, this is your coach, Butch Jones, and it's football time in Jonesboro. We can't wait to see you pack the vault for six home games this fall. Hatcher going deep down the right side, looking for Hunt. This is tipped and caught, and T. Hunt is going to score. Touchdown, Arkansas State from 53 yards out. We need you to create the best home field advantage. Purchase your season tickets now by visiting astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 80% of young producers said they get their most important agriculture information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you are in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Hey guys, it's Alicia Bellotto, and it's that time again. I'm here to invite you, Arkansas State Red Wolves fans, to the fourth annual Boots and Ballers for A-State men's basketball team. Thursday, September 30th at 7 p.m. at First National Bank Arena. Doors open at 6. Wear your best boots to meet A-State's ballers and coaching staff while you enjoy food, drinks, laughs, and music from DJ King Vic, and plenty of fun, including great live and silent auction items. Boots and Ballers is September 30th at First National Bank Arena. Tickets are $60 with premium tables available. Get your by calling the Red Wolf Foundation, 870-972-2401. Every person deserves respect, and that's what you're promised when you work with Stanley Woodard Law Firm. Bill Stanley and Jared Woodard are proud former lettermen at Arkansas State, and with over 45 years' experience, they've earned their reputation as hometown lawyers that get big city results. In fact, they've both been recognized in the National Trial Lawyers Association Top 100, whether it's personal injury, nursing home neglect, criminal defense, or civil litigation. Get respect, results, relief with Stanley Woodard. Law firm. Call 932-2000 and visit stanleywoodard.com. Timeout's over, and we're going to a full court press. Now let's get back to the setup on the ticket. All right, welcome back here on the tickets. Uh, about 10 minutes to go here on the setup on a Monday afternoon. Kay Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you. Uh, talking a little A-State, college football. Uh, touch on the NFL because uh, it was a pretty – the 12 o'clock slate was okay yesterday, but the 3 o'clock and Sunday night football slate was incredible uh, last night. So we'll touch on that. 
so one of the big talking points, I guess, around college football this season has been some of the officiating. We talked about the targeting call and how it has to change the way it's officiated and the ejections and all that. The Memphis-Mississippi State game this week where there was the confusion over the punt and Memphis winds up returning it for a touchdown and flips the game on its head and, and winds had, up they had winning two, the game. Yeah, it's they had two people with the same number on the field. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the Penn State-Auburn game where Penn State punts early and there were a few other things in the Auburn game. I mean, there's it's kind of been a mess in terms of officiating um, across the board in college football. Now, like some games have been good. Like I, I mean, I watched the A State game, A State Washington game. There weren't any bad calls. I was at the Ole Miss Tulane game. There weren't any just like egregious bad calls. Uh, so some games have been fine, but then some games are just kind of over the top and it takes away. But the number one thing that I've grown to hate. And this happened last night in the NFL. And I've seen it in college football a little bit, too. Uh, the number one call, like, I've grown to hate in college football and football in general is the ineligible receiver downfield rule. It, it even happened, like, I remember it happening in the Ole Miss-Louisville game. And there's been several other national, like, marquee college football games where it's happened in this year. But last night... I think it was the Ravens where they take uh, – or maybe it's Chiefs. I can't remember. But inside the red zone, it's a touchdown, and they take it away because an offensive lineman had just released from driving a defender back in the end zone. And as the ball was being caught, he released, and it's called an ineligible receiver downfield. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I just – I hate the way the rule is called because it feels like – your your pun, especially like on RPO plays where, as an offensive lineman, most times you don't know if it's a run or a pass, and you're blocking most likely for a run block. Like I hate those calls. I hate those calls because what you're doing is you're punishing the offensive lineman for driving a defender back, for doing his job, for doing his job. Yes, what he's paid to do, millions of dollars. Yes, and you're taking that away from him. Yeah, I just. I hate that call so much. It's like, and even in the A State game, even in the A State Memphis game, where they where they had the two point conversion and they threw it to Andre Harris, and Andre Harris scored in the two point conversion. That was taken away by an ineligible receiver downfield because one of the A State offensive linemen was driving a defender back. Like it just, I hate that rule so much. It like yeah. there is something that has to be done about it where it is not. I mean, not called only, as often. Not only those. I think the taunting calls in these NFL games this weekend. Yeah, it's bad, dude. Yeah, it's. it's I was getting it's so bad. fed up. I it's mean, bad. it's There was one I remember in the Seahawks Titans game. He tackled. I forget who tackled him. I think it was he tackled AJ Brown and or he was covering him for a pass from Tannehill. Goes through AJ Brown's hands and he hits the ground. And then the Seahawks player gets up, not even looking at the receiver, and just claps his hands. And they called it a taunting. And my. And then three plays later, Seahawks get a sack, and the uh, the defensive lineman's clapping after, no flag. Yeah. So well, if you're going to call yeah. it, make it consistent or don't call it. That's, well, that's all like I, it's stupid. Lamar Jackson pulls on the uh, the run pass option last night and goes and scores the touchdown that wound up being the game winning touchdown, and then flips in the end zone, and it's like, all right, if that's not a taunting, then I don't know what the what is. It it's all started <laughs> with so. We remember the Tyreek Hill touchdown where he waves at the defender. Yeah. It's notorious. It's Everyone loves it. But then when it happened to Tyreek Hill with another player, 
Everyone's so mad about it. Yeah. And the crazy part was, I remember in the offseason, the Giants organization is the one who led the charge on this penalty being enforced. And the, why do they have a say? Yeah. Like, no offense to the They're 0-3. Ch- they're garbage. Or 0-2, whatever They're not playing football. Yeah. They're playing, like, backyard <laughs> football at this point. They don't deserve to have a say in this. It's just, it drives me crazy that it's this. It reminds me of the no-catch rule. Yeah, it, it does. It's becoming, and the targeting. It, yeah. And it's, this, it's just a mess. Well, the thing about the NFL is, like, it's, I don't guess they call it targeting. It's, like, unsportsmanlike conduct or whatever. And so you're not getting ejected on the first unsportsmanlike penalty or whatever it is. Right. Whereas in college football, if it's a targeting, it's like, all right, you're gone. Yeah, you're done. Which <laughs> I, I just – I hate that. I mean, it, it impacts – like, you look at Cincinnati, Indiana. All right, so Indiana's up 14 nothing on Saturday. They force Cincinnati to a three and out, or they stop them on third down. Mm-hmm. They're about to get the ball back. But on the coverage of an incomplete pass, they call a targeting on an Indiana defender. And it was kind of a bang-bang call, whether it should be targeting or not. They call targeting. He's ejected. Cincinnati goes down the field and scores, and it's a fourteen to seven game. Like it just it sometimes it just flips games. It changes everything. That was their best player, and they took him out. So I mean, I just I don't know. It's wild. There's I mean, there was a few there was there was one game, I'm blanking on who it was, but they sh- it was a shoulder to shoulder tackle on the goal line to prevent the touchdown. Yeah, it was, call- it was Auburn Penn State. That's it was what Auburn it was. Penn State. Yeah, and they called it a targeting. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Like, and yeah. even the guy who got called for targeting tweeted after and said, "So I'm not allowed to do my job?" Question yeah, mark. he's trying to prevent him from scoring, and it's like, I don't know. It it the the targeting rule has kind of strayed so far away from what it was designed to protect that now it's just become this epidemic yeah. where, like. It, it, it probably like every one out of every four targeting calls is correct, and the other three are just you know. Yeah. Whatever. Let's change the subject so I can get off my yeah. soapbox. Yeah. I've been ranting. Uh, so w- talking about just some of the games in the NFL yesterday. Uh, last night was crazy on Sunday Night Football. Uh, I, one of the things that's kind of been going around on social media is the 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 video of Harbaugh where he's. He's like he like takes the headset off on the sidelines because the Ravens have it fourth and one with a minute ten to go, and you feel like all right if you punt the ball here and give Mahomes a minute to drive down the field and and set him up in field goal range, you're probably losing the game because yeah. Mahomes is Mahomes is going to do that. The Chiefs had just come off a fumble, but it was off a run play with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It wasn't Mahomes' fault, mm-hmm. so you feel like Mahomes is going to go down the field and score and this great game plan that the Ravens had in the second half where they lead the comeback is all for naught. And so there's this video going around of Harbaugh on the sideline taking his headset off and asking Lamar, like, hey, do you want to go for it? And Lamar's like, yes. And on fourth down and one, they get it, and they win the game. And that, I mean, that was that was a great Sunday night football game last night. That was night. crazy. I, I'm, always, I'm a big um, – you know, I'm, I'm always quick to judge Lamar, but that was that was a heck of a game on his part. I'll I'll give him that that fourth down call uh, is pretty cool. Seeing yeah, that seeing that dialogue after it's yeah, pretty awesome. Well, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Lamar played terrible. Yeah, he did play terrible. He the started the game. Play. I mean, horrendous. He, he he threw two interceptions. They weren't moving the ball, uh, you know, a whole lot. And it's you know it's twenty one to ten at the half. 
uh, mainly because the Ravens got a couple of rushing touchdowns and a field goal. But Lamar did not look good in the first half. And it looks like he forgot how to throw in the first yeah, half. That was bad. And then, bad. like, he just – he kind of flips the game in the second half of play with how well he played. So, that was, uh, that was a very, very fun Saturday – or Sunday night football game. Uh, tonight, it's uh, Detroit and Green Bay. I need DeAndre Swift night. to get at least 10 points. Yeah. Uh, 7.15 on ESPN. By the way, uh, Manning cast is tonight as well on ESPN, Oh, I'm too. watching that. <laughs> so that, uh, that – I have no interest in this game outside of the Manning cast. So I'm just – I'm watching strictly for – got to set uh, a reminder to do that. <laughs> Manning cast uh, purposes. Uh, circling back around to A-State, uh, let's see. So A-State opened as a 14-point underdog to Tulsa this weekend. But a little bit of money already coming in on a state uh, as they are down to a 13 and a half point dog to uh, Tulsa this weekend. So uh, we'll kind of start diving in more into that game tomorrow. Um, I'm sure we'll dive back a little bit and more and look at what happened on continue looking at kind of what happened on Saturday at Washington, but um, <laughs> just overall, trying to move past overall, as as overall, yeah. not a great day. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday for A-State as they lost 52-3 uh, to Washington. But, hey, on Friday, A-State soccer did pick up a 3-2 to win over South Alabama. So that was, a, that was a good start to the weekend. Yeah, there you go. A-State on Friday. So A-State soccer in a little bit of a roll. All right, that does it for us today on the show. Thanks to Andrew across the way for producing the program. Fun show today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, 3 to 6, The Drive, coming up after us. 7 to 10, The Front Row with Budrow tomorrow morning. 10 to 12, Red Wolf Roll Call. 12 to 2, Workday Red Zone with Carol Richie. Get you back to us tomorrow from 2 to 3. For Andrew, I'm Kate. So long. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.